Hi, my name is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. Before we start with the podcast, I have a few things that I'd like to mention. The first is that we've set up a special email address where listeners of our podcast can send in questions related to Agile, Agile transformation, basically anything about Agile at all. Just send your question to soundnotes at leadingagile.com. You can send it in text form, you can send a WAV file or any kind of audio recording of yourself asking the question, even video would be okay. What we're going to do is take the questions that we get, and in a future podcast, I will be joined by a few of our enterprise transformation consultants. We'll talk about your question. We'll talk about some possible solutions, some ideas, some things you might try when you get back to work, so that if you've got something that's going well, you can make it go better. And if you've got something that's not going well, we'll give you some suggestions or strategies for things you might try to change to make it go a little more smoothly. So again, any question about Agile or Agile transformation, just send it to soundnotes at leadingagile.com. You can send it as text, you can send it as an audio file, or you can send video, whatever's easier for you. We just like to get a lot of questions from our listeners so we can start to incorporate that into the podcast that we've been doing. Again, soundnotes at leadingagile.com. The second thing I want to mention is we've set up a special discount code for podcast listeners who are interested in taking one of our CSM or CSPO classes. You can find a list of all our upcoming classes by going to leadingagile.com training. We're currently doing classes in Atlanta, New York, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., and San Jose. So just go to leadingagile.com training, find a class you'd like to take, and enter the discount code SOUNDNOTES to receive 10% off the list price. Now, on to the podcast. Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. So we've got a very special podcast guest today. Liana Dorr from Investment is here, and we're going to talk a little bit about her job and what she does because she's got an amazing job title that I think is really cool. And hopefully it's one that will kind of become a little more pervasive in organizations. Um, but Liana, thank you for taking time out of your Saturday morning for this interview. Thank you for having me, Dave. And before we talk about your super cool job, can we talk about the company first? Because I, just in case folks aren't familiar with Evestment, what is it that you guys actually do? So Evestment is a global leader in institutional investment data and analytics. Uh, we have the world's largest, most comprehensive uh, global database of traditional and alternative investment strategy. And we essentially collect data from institutional asset managers worldwide and provide an easy to use solution that's cloud-based to help institutional investors conduct research and make decisions. And then we also enable the asset managers submitting data to us um, to market their funds worldwide. Okay, so you're you're more of like a, an organization that's not going to feed the end consumer, but the people that feed the end consumers. Exactly. So we're a B two B business, um, and so we essentially put a tool into the hands that represent the consumers. So it's uh, sovereign wealth, plan sponsors, um, uh, you know, family funds, nonprofit organizations, um, and so the the asset managers and the consultants advising those individuals um, are the ones that are using our solution. Okay, cool. And so now that we've talked about that, can you tell everybody what your job title is? Cause you have an awesome job title. Yes. So I am the agile governance lead at investment and I'm part of our agile governance team, um, which is, is a new team, newer team for our firm. Main purpose is just to make sure that, um, you know, we're supporting our agile teams and we're providing some structure and supporting uh, the teams in many ways. <laughs> and so, okay. um, so are you yeah. kind of like the agile equivalent of a, I mean, is your group kind of the agile equivalent of a PMO then? Uh, essentially. So we, we 
actually started to take that direction. We scaled by a hundred people last year. So we went from 250 to 350. And now that we've scaled, we really needed to put in um, some sort of governance structure to, to help coordinate um, a little better across the, the agile teams and then across the rest of the organization. Um, And so we just started to take the direction toward a PMO, um, but then really wanted to, to avoid, you know, any, any Stink kind of, of <laughs> and so, um, and so we, you know, our, our CTO came up with a better idea and just to implement an agile governance structure. And, um, and in the past six months, our team has grown. We also hired a, a, a second agile coach and we're very excited and, you know, just it's, it's growing and it's continuously improving. Okay, cool. So, well, I mean, as an agile governance lead, what does that, what do you actually do all day? You know, we help with the perf- our portfolio of projects and we help run them at the program level, essentially. Um, with the teams, we provide coaching and support and um, just enable the, the teams to be more productive and successful in, in any way that we can. And, um, and we kind of try to take any of the um, operational overhead out of their way so they can continue to be more effective in, in getting our projects done and making really great products. And so we, we take over the kind of budget oversight, um, the vendor management as well. Um, and we just try to be really light touch and proactive. Okay. And so how much, I mean, I'm assuming that you're kind of working in this way that's a little bit parallel to what a PMO would do, but more on the agile side. Is it is it fair to say that you're going to have to spend a, a lot of time working with management to understand like what's going on and what kind of reports they're going to get instead of the old traditional stuff. It, exactly. We're, and we've been working through this process quite a bit um, in the, in the past year. And in, you know, when we were a smaller company, it was much easier for individuals just to communicate. But now that we're scaling and, and we're also dis- dispersed geographically, we have to kind of evolve and, and be able to deliver projects at scale and it's um and it is taken you know a lot of coordination and getting other groups involved and so a lot of that transparency and and working together cross-functionally to vet out projects and um to you know make the right decisions it, it does create a lot of overhead and a little bit more noise but it, it's a healthy way of doing things because we end up making decisions that are sound and that we where we have buy-in across the organizations and so you know, we're not, we're not, you know, perfect by any means. Um, and so we're continuing to, you know, constantly reevaluate every single, um, cycle and, and have, you know, retrospectives at essentially every level to make sure that we're doing the right things and that we're always trying to improve. It, it's really, it really is important for the organization to be aligned across the board and, um, to, to have an iterative process that's not just, as part of you know the development teams um, and that delivery, and that the other functional areas also understand our cycles, and and the more they can get aligned with with that, the more successful we are as an organization. Okay, so I, I know that you're somebody who comes from um, you've got a financial background, so you've got mm-hmm. a lot of structure there. You're also deep with the project management and a, and a PMP as well, mm-hmm. um, and you you know got the agile certifications and everything like that. How would you explain to somebody, let's say that I'm working in a traditional organization that wants to switch over to Agile and I have a PMO, um, how would you explain to me what's the difference 
between what I have in my traditional organization and what you guys have set up at Evestment to support the Agile teams? First and foremost, I think that you have much happier teams. <laughs> the teams <Okay>. are a <laughs> lot. <laughs> the p- teams are a lot. It's empowered teams, and um, they're they feel empowered and they are empowered because they can make decisions as to you know the most valuable things that they should be working on. And this it's change is scary, and for I mean, there's quite a few people where change is is actually physically painful, um, but the ability to change is very important in, in today's world and, you know, the fast pace world that we're in. And so um, being able to adjust projects, but our teams are empowered to do so. And they don't necessarily have to do certain paperwork or documentation or procedures just to do so. And they're constantly em- empowered to question what we're doing and to evaluate it and improve upon that. Um, and so it's, it's, a lot more effective in terms of, um, you know, having buy-in across the organization, um, improving, you know, culture and, and, and um, improving our delivery process uh, and making sure that we build are building the right things at all times. Um, and, you know, getting, getting the, the things that will make our clients um, experience even better at the door. We're working collaboratively, not only across the teams, but also with our clients um, and so, and do you yeah, find, think, do you find that on the client side, do they tend to be more traditional or are they agile as well? Yeah, they, so it, it varies, but a lot of, um, in, in finance, um, a lot of the firms are a lot more traditional in structure. Um, and so that's, that's where it helps to have, a you know, a PMP background. I come from a, a banking, uh, background as well. And so it helps to understand that world so we can, we can stay true to our agile roots yet support, um, you know, clients that, that may be more traditional and, um, you know, have, have different needs. And so we can, um, meet them in the middle and, and understand where they're coming from. Um, but at the same time, you know, not lose any of our, our approach and momentum and ability to change, Okay. So I, I want to ask a sort of a more a person that same kind of question, but on a more personal level. So for you as somebody who has worked in the field for a while, um, you know, obviously in different areas that have a pretty strict governance sense for you personally, how is, how is this, dif- this different, like working in an agile space, kind of supporting agile teams? What is it? What's awesome about that for you? So I think there's just much better alignment between what is expected and then what's actually happening. Um, you know, in the past I've had, I've worked in organizations where, you know, we've had all these, all these procedures and kind of waterfall method of documentation, et cetera. And, and the teams would go through the motions, but then in reality, we'd often find, you know, new information and new, and we'd, we'd want to, we'd want to change, but, you know, a lot of times it was just very bureaucratic to get those things done. Um, and so working in agile world is just, it's, it's the freedom and empowerment to, to discover new knowledge and, you know, not fear that new information and, but have the insights and data behind you to make the right and smart decisions. So it's also not just, just changing for the sake of changing. Um, it's making the right decisions, but also I think it's also great because people are different projects are different. Um, and 
you know, sometimes approaches have to change and being able to just to use the frameworks that make sense for that situation. Um, and, and giving the teams, you know, the voice to, to be able to provide that feedback. Um, it's, it's very effective. And in terms of delivery, it's also just, it's a lot, a lot faster and more exciting. And so it does create some overhead. I've, I've had people come that are making the transition also say, you know, man, I used to, you know, plan some requirements and would work on those, iron those out, and then we can watch the project, um, you know, run where now I have to plan. And as soon as I'm done planning, now I have to kind of unwind the project and close it out. And I'm testing all the time. It's a lot of overhead. They have to work now. <laughs> they have to work now. Yeah. <laughs> but the key component there is that's an investment in making sure that you're doing the right things constantly because you, you know, as you're working on a project, new information comes in, you discover new ideas and, and, having that open to a larger group of stakeholders, including your clients is, is key. And so, um, you know, it's a lot more data and a lot more information that you have to sort through, but you're making much smarter decisions. Um, but yeah, so that, that's my job is just to make sure that the teams, I kind of see it as making sure the teams have what they need to be awesome. (laughs) Yeah. One, so one thing I just want to mention that, that you did, which, um, I think for anybody in your in your kind of role, if, if they can do this with their people, wherever they take them, you brought a whole bunch of people to training all at once um, so that everybody would get the same kind of mindset or, or at least focus and baseline with everything, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I think just um, informalizing some of that. So when I'm here, you know, I, I talk a lot about, a, you know, the options that individuals can use. Obviously, our teams can choose whatever framework they would like to use to be efficient, um, but to educate them on that and then doing it in a formal manner. So that way, at the same time, they're getting certifications and they're they're making themselves marketable as well. Um, and I think people really appreciate that. And, you know, letting letting you do the hard, the hard part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it's been very helpful because the teams come back and um, from these trainings and, and, you know, just giving them options to attend um, all sorts of that. Sometimes it's hard to filter through all of the options out there. And so just making recommendations, um, I think has been helpful and, and, you know, gives individuals kind of options to know. And cool. So the key component there is just making um, data available company-wide and making sure that the right people working on it have access to it, that it's not you know, everyone sends in information and then finance keeps that information that it's, it's transparent and visible and, you know, everyone involved is kind of goes through that process together and they can see updates real time. Um, and that, that same approach goes to our, you know, project portfolio planning. Um, it's also iterative and we essentially come up with a growth playbook that has a longer term vision, but we really just, you know, we focus on kind of a six month planning cycle that then drills down to each quarter being fully vetted. Cool. Um, and, and that's transparent. And that gets hard because sometimes, um, you know, when things aren't fully firmed up, it takes a lot of trust in a company to say, here's a project we're thinking of. It's not 100% vetted, but let's talk about this. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it creates a lot of noise, but it's important to face that head on. And, and eventually you become really productive and the, the organization has a lot of trust, you know, with the growth playbook process and the changes we put there, we've really built a lot more trust with our sales and marketing departments. Um, 
and we're a lot more aligned in terms of what we're doing. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about was when you were, I mean, you t- we talk about governance. So you've got, you're providing information to the organization about these projects are going well, these ones aren't going so well, maybe there's a new opportunity over here. You're also helping the organization cope with the change and help them find the right process for whatever aspect they're working on. But what about with the individual teams? When you look at the teams that are in your organization, is there is the question ever asked, like, how is one team doing compared to another? How do you assess team health and growth and things like that? Yeah, I mean, every every team, you know, is different to some extent. Um, and so we really, you know, we actually recently brought on a couple more individuals to be part of this governance team so we can pay more attention to specific teams that you don't, you know, I think investing in the right people to help is really important. I think a lot of times um, people put one person into a role and they hope that magically things will change. And so I think having, making sure that, you know, you have individuals to focus and to do certain, you know, parts of the job, but we really, we work closely with the teams um, in regular check-ins and communication kind of pipelines. And I think working Working to make your teams productive and to have the right mind frame where they can they can talk about things going on or areas of improvement and they feel like it's okay to come forward with information, um, but also keeping that behavior healthy and not you know we um, recently hired a second agile coach and he um, uses the above above the belt and below the belt behavior. Um, and so making sure that people can bet and they can share, you know, express how things are going, but keeping that behavior above the belt. Um, and then metrics, again, the same metrics. So we're tracking initiative status. And usually if, if things are going off track and, you know, and the team can't clearly express why, then that's usually a red flag. You know, if the team's kind of have a good grasp on what's going on, um, then, then you know, usually Quark's correct and they have a plan. But we like the team's drive. The teams are empowered to, to you know, make decisions and course correct if mistakes are made, et cetera. Um, you know, and they making them feel safe to share information, but also giving them opportunities to course correct if needed. Um, so the way you talk about this is fascinating to me. Um, Everything that you just expressed was sort of done in a positive, trusting way, and which is spectacular. But I'm still, <laughs> I guess the thing, I'm still trying to find the answer for the question that, you know, that, that comes out of that whole stack ranking thing. Like, how do I tell which team sucks the most? Because mm-hmm. they're the problem and they're the one I have to jettison. But the way that you just talked about it, it sounded like you're trying to create space for everybody to thrive. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we're focusing on. I mean, we have teams... Where, you know, if, if they're not meeting their commitments and they're not me- meeting their goals on a regular basis, it's, it's not about that, you know, oh, the team it's, we, we have to make adjustments as an organization and, and figure out why that's happening. And so, you know, I think a big focus for us recently um, and kind of having an overall retrospect is protecting our teams. And so our goal kind of for the next six months is we really want to focus on actually keeping our teams well-formed. Um, and so we've been guilty in the past of moving individuals around, right, which completely disrupts 
teams. And so trying to really stay committed to the well-formed teamed approach and instead of moving individuals around, focus on moving work around. Um, and so, you know, and that's, that was as a result of kind of evaluating our team health. And, um, and so I think doing those kinds of assessments, um, because most of the time, if, if you're hiring the right people and, you know, and teams are not working, if you're hiring the right people, it's more so just making adjustments, um, whether it's education or changing the structure a little bit and coaching the team to become healthy. I don't think it's necessarily shutting down on a team yeah. and saying they suck. You know? No, it's, I <laughs> so. mean, it's great. It's just, um, it's, and I'm wondering if part of it is that, that you guys are, I mean, you've been around for a long time in terms of startup and internet years, but in terms of some of the other companies that are out there, it's just like a, just a few years. Yeah. Um, I think we just, too, we're, we're really lucky because, I mean, we've been voted Atlanta's top mid-sized company to work for. We were number two this year. And so the culture we've built is phenomenal and that makes things a little bit easier where I think the hardest part we know to change in agility is the culture. And so we're, we're lucky in a sense where our culture, we actually have the culture there. We have very much an entrepreneurial kind of action oriented culture. Um, our challenge is just maintaining that at scale and keeping the agility, but putting in a little bit of kind of structure and governance around that so that everyone is working toward the same common goal. So how do you do that? And again, it's, it's having, having a shared kind of governance vision. And so we have, you know, a, a group of kind of, our leadership team that empowers every, so we have a product line, product managers, and the product managers are really empowered to drive their own, you know, product lines and visions. But at the end of the day, we do kind of have an oversight where everyone has to be aligned and they're, they're organized as part of, you know, one portfolio. It's kind of like grooming your backlog, right? You have, you have bugs and defects, you have technical debt, and then you have user stories. And a lot of times people kind of, I've just heard in the past people trying to separate those out and have having separate backlogs for, and it's I found that it's best to actually merge all that together and prioritize things against one another. Yeah. Um, and it's same thing here. So you kind of have an overall coordination in it, you know, to the health of a product line. Um, and same thing here, where we have an overall coordination to a platform and a company vision and putting everything together at the end of the day and betting that out together. Um, and so you have, you know, the growth playbooks are aligned across the organization and they're tied to the, you know, company's goals. Um, and then that's widely shared and completely transparent across the organization. So everyone understands, you know, what our mission is and everyone's on the same page. Yeah, that's um, great. Yeah, and it's been challenging. It's it's different to do it at at a larger scale, and you know, building that trust and having individuals you know come in with the right mind frame. And we're st- we're still working on it. Again, continuous improvement is the key component here. But uh, you know, every time it well, we and the openness. I mean, I think mm-hmm. the openness and the and the constant. I mean, the way that you talk about the work, it sounds like you guys are constantly watching and trying to be more aware of it. And that's something a lot of companies don't do. They kind of put something in place and think, okay, we've spun this top up. It'll it'll fix that thing over there. And then they walk away from it, um, which is unfortunate. Well, or or that you get the 
they also some people misinterpret the the governance and control. It has to be light touch because sometimes too you end up being in situations where you know management's involved in every single step and decision making and here you know you have to have a light touch approach to that you have to have a kind of your ears eyes and ears on the ground but you have to empower the teams to make them to make them feel like they can drive and they can actually drive Um, and so it's just otherwise it's it's also not healthy and it's not efficient um Cool. So, yeah. so thank you for doing this. If people want to get in touch with you, if they, I mean, you talked about a lot of interesting things. If they want to follow up and, and ask you some more questions, what is the best way for folks to reach you? Yeah, feel free to contact me on LinkedIn, okay. Liana Dorr. And so and, just um, send me a connection or a message. And- cool. And, and I'll put a link in there as well. Um, thank you. I really appreciate this. This was a great conversation. Yeah, great talking to you, Dave. Thanks yeah. for having me. Thanks. Thanks.